Greetings and welcome to Truth Be Told. My name is Lysandra Melton Dolberry and I am your host coming to you from beautiful but chilly San Antonio, Texas. This podcast is dedicated to those conversations that have been begging to be had by those who are bold enough to explore them. Warning, it is not for the faint of heart. However, it is not an argument. It is not necessarily a debate. It is not intended for judgment. Rather, this podcast is designed to be a place for a meeting of the minds. So, come on in. Take off your shoes. Get comfortable. Grab a drink as we prepare to let the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth be told. Today we are joined by Pastor Theola Campbell out of Poway, California. She is a woman of vision and a powerful, dynamic speaker with a refreshing way of presenting God's Word. Let's join her now. Good afternoon and welcome, Pastor Campbell. Please greet the people, give them a brief introduction. Uh, we've been talking about two topics on the, the uh, podcast. The topic we've talked about on my sister's table, the gathering place, is tending to the souls of women. Um, mm. I don't know if you remember Reverend Dr. Linda Hollies. Do you remember her? Oh, so well, so well. <laughs> so, so well. Share a little bit about your experience with her. Well, you want me to share about my experience with her or you want me to introduce myself? I'm good at either, so it's okay. Introduce yourself first and then share. <laughs> okay. I am, as you introduced me, as Pastor Theola Campbell, currently residing in a suburb of San Diego, California called Poway. I am, my husband and I pastor the Release Worship Center. I'm also the founder and executive re- uh, director of a 5013C uh, organize, religious organization called Blessed Assurance Ministries, who aim and focus is to encourage and build up the leadership in the community of the body of Christ. I, mother of four adult children, thank you, Jesus, and uh, <laughs> loving on seven grandchildren who affectionately call me Bama because I'm too, too cute and too young to be called grandmother. No, no, no disrespect to those who enjoy those kinds of terms, but I'm not one of them. I love doing workshops and seminars and um, have been in ministry now for over 20 years. Absolutely loving it and uh, worked 17 years for Bethel Seminary in their admissions department and retired a few years ago. So I'm enjoying retired life as well. Dr. Linda Hollis, I tell you, she was an impressible, impressionable woman. She, I mean, when she came into the room, you knew the presence of God had just entered in. And I just remembered 
her, um, her, her ability to connect and have fun with people, but such deep spiritual insight. And I've read several of her books and just loved to be in her presence. Didn't know her at a real intimate level. Um, knew her through basically you, um, uh, Reverend Dalberry, but uh, was so glad to have spent whatever time I got with her uh, as, a, as a privilege and an honor. So yeah, I remember Linda well. Can you share one of the um, experiences that you had with with Linda? Oh, you know, I think that was Linda that was directing us in a, a workshop. I believe, I, and I'm sure if, if it, it was wasn't Linda. her. I, she she was the first time I had ever done such a thing as that she paired us up and we were to look into our, it was a women's event. And so we were looking into our sister eyes for a certain length of time. And after we finished that length of time, we were to share what we saw in each other's eyes. And that was amazing to me. It, it was, you know, she said it was the window of the soul. And so if you could get into that place where you could look beyond who they were or what impressions you had made of them and truly looked into their eyes and allow the spirit to reveal things to you, it was phenomenal. Um, The young lady that I was with, and I'm not saying that chronologically because I don't actually remember who she was, but the the experiences was stood stuck stuck with me, and I have since done that several times at women retreats or women gatherings, and it's just it's just uh, it's just like sweet kiss from heaven to do that. So I thank Linda for that experience. Yes, Linda wrote the book "A Woman Is Care," tending to the souls of women, <clears throat> and uh, that's where I pull this topic from. Um, she made a profound impact on anybody, I believe, who came into her space. Um, and though she was this, <clears throat> excuse me, giant of a woman, she was so down to earth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So down to earth um, um, and just, you know, everyday people. She didn't have a problem sharing uh, what she had experience sharing what she uh, she's done and equipping other women. So her book was was called um, Woman's Care, Tending to the Souls of Women. And so on my sister's table, The Gathering Place, that's what we've been talking about. So before we go into the other portion of this podcast, I want to ask you, as a mother, daughter, wife, pastor, woman, do you think you tend to close, first of all, overall, across the board? Okay, I, I lost you. Okay. I didn't hear the question. As a mother, a daughter, a wife, a pastor, a woman, do you think you, in what you do, do you think you tend to souls? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely in all of those arenas um, okay. because I deal a lot with, I, I have one of my spiritual gifts is called exhortation, which is where you, you, you 
more more earthly term, I guess, would be counseling. And so the spirit of God has always led people to me to to deal with soul issues. Uh, once I found out that their spirit is connected to the to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, then the issues that I've dealt with is in the soul, even with my own children. I have three daughters and um, there's always something to impart into them as I listen to their struggles, as I, I, I be a safe place for them to talk. Not only my daughters, but also other women in the ministry and in friends. That's not even part of our ministry. There is uh, always a connection there. And the Spirit of God has always given me insight to, to deal with soul issues. So, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I heard you mention uh, spirit. And uh, as you talked about the soul, can you share what uh, your insight is about the difference between those two? Just I, I, a little bit. Just a little bit. My, my insight is that this is the spirit belongs to God. So that's when we, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit comes in to dwell in us. I think I believe he's dwelling in the spirit realm and there he will not share our spirit with anybody or anything. But in the soul realm is where we have somewhat somewhat control. That's where our emotions, our intellect, all of those things lie. And that's where we're most vulnerable to attack. And that's where we struggle. Because if we, I believe, if our salvation is secure, the Holy Spirit is not going to let anybody grab a hold of that, that area of our existence. So we're going to, the, the spirit realm is, is, is secure in Christ through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But our emotions and the things that we still yet have control over, you know, Paul says that, you know, um, you know the, 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 the um, what does he call it? Yeah, the natural man or the old man, or however man or woman you, you, mm -hmm. want, you yeah. want to call it. Yeah. That, that peace is, is constantly underworking out our soul salvation part of and so that's where we speak to uh, sisters and brothers when they're struggling with things but it, I believe that because uh, we are believers we have that extra power because of the presence of the Holy Spirit to make those changes to to make that paradigm shift in our soul realm because we have help from a deeper level as well as from an outside speaking to and into that into both levels. So I believe as as the spirit of God leads us to minister to a believer who is really a believer then we're ministering to their soul realm and not their spirit realm. I don't know if that made any sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. I'm picking up an echo from you, and then you, you fade out. The ability to uh, turn up your volume at all? Turn up my volume? Yeah, because you sort of. Okay. Is that better? I'm not sure. We'll find out as we talk. I, I'm pretty sure it's recording fine, so we're not going to worry about it, but I thought I'd take the opportunity in between the questions to ask you if you can do that to do so. Okay, my volume so, up almost I, as, as loud as it'll go now. That's good. That's good. It may okay. just be how I'm hearing it. 
Um, so I'm going to ask you two other questions in that area, and then we're going to move to the other one. Um, do you think that uh, we? Do you think that we groom our daughters to be caretakers more than our sons? I'm not saying it's a good or bad thing. I'm just asking, do we? Do you think we do that without knowing? Uh, mm, I, I'm, I'm sure okay. I, I would have to say, <clears throat> excuse me, some of us do, but as I, as I looked at my, my daughters, I did not groom them to be caretakers in mm-hmm. that, in that sense. I, I'm not sure, uh, the, you know, how you're framing me, caretakers. Yeah. Let me, let me give you a little bit of a. I mean, let me give you a little more. And and I'm just talking across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, this is exercise I like to do um, when I'm talking to sisters. When a boy child is born, um, what is the first gift that he's brought that people begin to bring? I didn't have any. I didn't give birth to boys, and <laughs> oh, so I yeah, no, they bring my son nothing because he's not a, he's not an entity yet. I'm not. You have any I'm grandsons? Not, I do. I do. <laughs> okay. I got um, plenty. And what are okay? <laughs> so what are the what are the gifts? The first gifts that you notice he got besides clothes. What is the first gift? Ooh, girl, some of them, I, I don't know. What did I give them or what did they get? What did they get? What do boys usually get? Yeah, just, you know, uh, what do they, you... Cars. Um, cars. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just, I'm guessing now because I really don't know. Because when you say no, when a baby. No, I don't want is, you to guess. When a baby is born, yeah. they, they get cars and... um. First birthdays, what do you think they bring them? Second birthdays, uh, little because my, my grandson just had his first birthday, so they they brought him mostly clothes and cars. Um, okay, a walker, so okay. which would which would have been just I don't think that would have been any different from a girl, it looked more boyish than girlish. I mean, it didn't have this, it's a different a color, a ball. Give it him a ball? No, no, they didn't. Nobody Girl, gave I'm... nobody gave him a ball. He doesn't have a ball at all. No ball at oh, all. Oh my goodness! And I, and oh, I, goodness. I'm trying to think of my my other grandsons. Nobody bought them balls. Okay. Well, usually, if we look from inside out and outside in, uh, they bring balls. They bring cars. Uh, maybe, you know, baseball bats or gloves. Uh, maybe maybe um, as your grandson gets older, he'll see some of those things. Oh, trucks, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trucks, I'm, I'm um, sure. remote control cars, right? robots, you know, different things like that, mechanical things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you notice that they give girls? Oh, they give um, um, 
fake kitchens. I'm thinking of my my granddaughter, (laughs) (laughs) and she winds up throwing the stuff. So they might as well gave her a ball. Uh, (laughs) What was the first thing? What's the first thing you think of that they give? Usually dolls, dolls, baby dolls. Yes, dolls. And and the message, the message uh, for boys is usually here's something to go play with, have fun. You know, play with your friends with it. Throw the ball to your friends. With girls, uh, here's a baby doll. Here's a teddy bear. Take care of the baby. Oh, you got to feed the baby. The baby's crying. Yeah, oh, yeah. Change the baby's diaper. <laughs> um, okay. And, so, so I, and I don't think it's, I don't think we knowingly do that. It's just what we have done throughout. Uh, generations. Oh, absolutely. But even before people went to buy toys, they made rag mm. dolls. Mm-hmm. They did. They did. And, and the boys uh, played baseball with sticks or two by fours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the messages were still there. Um, so when uh, that little boy and that little girl grows up, maybe not necessarily in the same place, but just the symbolism. <clears throat> and they become teenagers uh, and or eventually become parents. We wonder why uh, the boys go MIA. Because you know? mm-hmm. they're going to go play with their boys and their toys. Now, one of the messages I think we have given boys, especially if they go to pick up a doll, a baby doll, especially, mm-hmm. happens. Hello? Okay. Yeah, you went totally quiet. <laughs> I said it. One of the things that happens that we do, I don't think we do annoyingly. If a boy goes to pick up a doll, especially a baby doll, how is that received? Uh, normally, they go, "Oh, why you you know put that down?" Or that's your sisters, or that's your cousins, or why are you mm-hmm. playing with that? Those kind of reactions. If they yeah, have boys it don't play too with them. long, yeah, yeah, boys don't play with dolls. Uh, and some some people have gone even further as to say some derogatory things about. Uh, if boy uh, chooses to walk around with a dog. Now, I, I'll set all of that only to say, then we wonder why um, boys don't respond to, and I said boys, I'm not necessarily saying men, mm-hmm. even though they become men, um, because they have not had the um, the same grooming. Right. Right. It can be awkward for them to to deal with uh, babies or with um, unexpected pregnancies or you know mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas with girls, not only do we um, equip them, I'm going to say groom them because that's what I believe mm-hmm. to to take care of not only the babies. Sometimes they're taking care of the boys too. Mm-hmm. And they stay in relationships, or I don't even know if you can call all of them relationships, 
but they tend to stay longer in in toxic areas. Yes. Uh, because they have that, you know, they will extend their boundaries. Uh, they they uh, have no problem with picking them up and dusting them off and, you know, uh, handling the business t- until he can, quote unquote, get on, get on his feet. You know, different things like that. Right. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing either. I'm just saying our girls are in a different place than our boys. You know? mm-hmm. So, okay. So with that said, I just wanted to bring that in because we've do- done some dialogue with that on my sister's table. Okay. And my sister's table, this one's for you. So now we're going to talk about the topic that you came in to talk on, which is mental health and the church, uh, specifically the black church, uh, the urban church, even though we know it uh, is not limited to that scenario. Our topic is mental health, the church, mental health in the church from the pulpit to the Mm-hmm. So, it is said that the church is the hospital. Have you heard that? Oh, more than once. <laughs> what do you think that means? That, I think, and do you agree with it? <laughs> I think when it probably originally started, and I haven't done any research, so this is totally conjecture, is that it was a place where you can come get healed from all of your diseases and issues and problems. Uh, just, you know, that was the gathering, if I might grab a phrase that you've coined, the gathering place for all your for your ills to be ministered to and taken care of. Uh, today, I don't think the church is a healing place in that sense. I believe the church has become more of a social gathering with a little bit of focus on the Lord. They, and, and I say that because when, as, as a preacher, you, you look for the growth in the congregation and it takes so long to see a paradigm shift in their spirituality and so makes you stop and think well why do you keep coming to church now is there a healing taking place absolutely Um, is there a deliverance taking place absolutely but not at the point where the church could hang out a sign and say hospital come in everybody's got a doctor waiting for you kind of thing I don't. I don't believe that's that's true in that sense uh, today. I'm sorry. You can come across clear. I said you make. Once again, I didn't hear you. All I hear is you make. You make me want to run around the block. I'll say it as many times as I need to say it because because it is refreshing to me to hear that kind of candor because because I believe that what you are saying is absolutely on point. Yeah, yeah. But the majority of the people out there have have brought into the church as a hospital, both in and outside of the church. And so uh, I think as a result of that, some people are 
misinformed or disillusioned or disappointed because they come looking for that level of care. And I'm not sure that we are equipped to give that level of care. Well, let me piggyback on that. And, I, and first of all, I'll say absolutely that overall we're not um, positioned to give that level of care, but we're also not privileged, not privy to what the patient needs, if I can stay with that hospital uh, theme, because people will mm-hmm. come into the church and not share what's going on. They expect you to have some supernatural spiritual eyeballs to see that they're being abused, neglected, depressed, schizophrenic, without Absolutely. sharing that uh, with you. Whereas if you go to a regular hospital, they come in, the doctor comes in and, and, and comes in and asks, "What's wrong with you?" I mean, they do a little more gently, <laughs> gentler than I just did, but. But, you know, there's a myriad of questions and time. I mean, even if the time frame is small, they ask you questions pertaining to why you are there. First artist is why are you here? We don't, as a church, ask anybody why you're here. We assume they're there because they either have Jesus, need Jesus, and want more Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't treat them as a patient. We treat them as a saint coming to the house party kind of thing. So you're right. I was going to say at regular hospitals, they triage you. Yes. Yeah. Take your temp- um, take your temperature. Yeah. <laughs> Blood pressure. Your, your history. Absolutely. Your, your family history. Um, you know, they they do they check your heart. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. They they come on now. That'll preach. A, yeah, I had to stop a minute for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ah, because yeah. You know, they do all of those things. They look in your ears. They, you know, mm-hmm. they they take the time. I don't care if you go in for a toe ache, you know, a big toe mm-hmm. problem. Uh, there are some things they're going to do immediately. They're going to see if you have a um, temperature, you know. Right. Well, and and in, in today's time frame where we're dealing with COVID, they're going to do a whole lot more. Right. I mean, check your temperatures before you get into your doctor's office. They're going to check your temperature before uh, some places, many places today, before you enter into the church, mm-hmm. before you enter into some stores. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. Absolutely. Checking, checking your temperature. I don't think we do that uh, in, the, in the spiritual, the natural realm. I don't want to say spiritual. But you know what I mean? I think when people come, we are elated that people are coming, but many people, and this is not a, I'm not um, uh, uh, downing the church about, uh, with this statement, but many times we're just happy to see the influx, you know, Mm -hmm. the gathering, the crowd. And, you know, you can have a great time um, praising the Lord and I mean the spirits are, are high and you know when there's a when there's a, a a group of people but even when people come through the prayer lines mm-hmm. <clears throat> or when we do follow up if we do follow up we don't triage 
Um, we don't triage. And so as a result of that, many people come in the church and they can do that for um, a while. They can do it for years, actually. They come in and they go out the same way they came in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, as a result of that, many people who are members of churches today I believe, let me put that caveat in there, I believe, um, go to church to get their fix because they have, they have um, turned to churches at your choice. So they go, they worship, they shout, they dance. Um, and then they go back to what, you know, they go back home where, uh, some live alone, some live in uh, toxic households, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, have anxiety, some have panic attacks, you know, and the church never knows about it. Right. Because when they come to church, we wear the mask. Mm -hmm. And we wear the mask uh, many times because that's what we think we're supposed to do. Yep. So how do we deal with that? Or do we deal with it? Or do we just leave it as it is? Well, you're, you're almost in a position where you can't deal with it until you're exposed to it. I, uh, I did a series of messages really on some mental health issues some years ago. Uh, we talked about anxiety and we talked about uh, depression and we talked about schizophrenia and we talked about, I um, can't think of all of the things we talked about, but um, being married to a therapist, I had some some resources that I definitely took advantage of. But I, I brought that as part of the teaching during the, through sermons and people were so <laughs> appreciated appreciative of it. I don't know what they did with it, but they were saying, you know, we, we, we've never heard, you know, anyone talk about this. And I'm so glad you're dealing with life issues in this sermon series and, and those kind mm -hmm. of comments. But once again, if someone had been present with that issue, no one in, in our particular ministry came forth and, and made that, uh, made that uh, announcement that they were struggling with some things. Uh, I'm a real proponent of if I if I get whim of say someone with depression, the first thing I ask is, is your depression? Are you on medication for your depression? Have you been um, have you been evaluated for your depression? And then they said no. Then I says okay, well let's deal with it. And then in the spiritual realm, let's, 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 let's cover you with the blood of Jesus and warn off the attacks of Satan. I said, because I believe that we have power in prayer. However, I am going to strongly advise you to go get evaluated because if depending on the level of depression that they happen to share, I know I'm not in a position to, to minister to them at that level. I would rather mm -hmm. they go get professional help almost immediately. Absolutely. I can take care of the spirit. I can take care of demons. That is not a problem. 
They got to obey me in the name of Jesus. End of story. However, if there is a chemical imbalance, there is no way I can handle that. You need to go get help. And I know, you know, I, I said, no more than if you were to. No more than I were to. Um, that if someone came to you with a, a toothache, you needed a root canal, you wouldn't try to do that. Oh, God, no, no. But you would prefer them. Absolutely. In a minute, mm -hmm. in a minute, if I had some orange gel in my purse, you know, I'd go ahead and sure. put a little bit on there. But no, 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 you need to go. If Is it swole? You know, is, if it's swollen, you need to go if it, go to the dentist. If it's not swollen, go to the dentist and find out why you got this toothache. And it's the same thing with uh, mental health, uh, mental illnesses in the church. We, we can't be afraid to recognize that they're present. And we, we can't be ignorant of the fact that can Jesus heal them? Absolutely. My question is, well, why hasn't he? Hello? Why hasn't he? I'm, I'm here. I'm okay. here. So is, is, he, that, is that a, is that a um, that actual the, question? Is, no, the, the pause is for effect. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. But obviously that hasn't been his uh, his his design or his his way he's going to want you to deal with whatever is going on and he has placed people in the earth realm to help us with those things and we as believers we as leaders in the church have to encourage people take care of the natural we're already taking care of the spiritual let's take care of the natural go find some help let's see if this will help you get through whatever it is that you're going through. So we, we have to be intelligent and in knowing our limitations. Do we walk powerfully mm -hmm. in the spirit? Absolutely. But, you know, should things, we have, uh, yes, should we have some resources available? We should, ha we should have re referral information. Now, if you've got yes, someone, I mean. yes, if you've got someone in the congregation who you know, is a therapist or a psychologist or, um, you know, works for family services and those kinds of things. Know who you are among in your congregation so right. that you will be able to refer off, hand off, because, you know, mm -hmm. a pastor of a small church can do a lot more with their congregants because they are small but the, the the larger it grows you got to you got to be like Jethro told Moses hey look dude you can't handle this by yourself you need some help mm -hmm. so let's yeah. let's call in some elders and let's call in some wise and seasoned people to help you manage all of these issues that's going on and it's the same thing I believe in mm -hmm. the church especially the black church you know the, they want the pastor to be the super person there is no super pastor there is no leaping tall buildings with a single bound you know any good leader <laughs> any good leader has has knows how to delegate and knows how to hand off and know 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 the wisdom of the lord to to know how gifted they are and how gifted they are not is huge yeah, to yeah. me Yes. Yeah. I think you have to know uh, what your strengths are. You know, just like any, anything else, even when I'm dealing with the programs I do in the community, I know what my strengths are mm -hmm. and I know what my challenges are. Mm -hmm. I don't call it weaknesses. I know what my challenges are. I know what I am not 
good at or what I don't want to be bothered with. That's true. Yes. So I bring in people who love to do those things. Right. Who are skilled in doing those things, who can do them in their sleep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because I don't have to be the uh, end all, you know. I I really do believe that we are designed to be co- uh, not independent, we're designed to be interdependent. Absolutely. Hence the body. We are a body. And not yes. just on your local local church level. We are a body church-wide, you know, uh, universally. Yes. Uh, you want to refer to Christian counselors and therapists if they're, you have access to them. But the point is to get the individual some help. And sometimes you have to send them outside the family of faith because you don't know where else to send them. But if you got those, right, if you got those resources in your church, like you said, Get a list of people that does this, 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 and this, and that you know um, you can send individuals to to get the help that they need. Because if if that's one of your challenge areas, you don't want to be messing around with people where you know you don't that play with people. No ma'am, no ma'am. But the other thing, you have some of these um, professionals in your church. They have a list of colleagues. Yes, yes. They have a list of resources themselves. Absolutely. Yes, they do. And so, yeah, go ahead. No, no. I was, I was just agreeing with you. So there, you know, there are ways that we can address it. We may not be able to um, solve it. And I don't, I don't know that it's designed for us to try to tackle everything. But I do think that we cannot put our head in the sand and act like it does not exist, which is what we do most of the time mm-hmm. unless unless it is brought to attention um i'm thinking of a, a young man that you and i both know loved him dearly i'm gonna leave him nameless though okay uh, but um but he would um i don't know what his diagnosis was uh but he would be very frank with you mm-hmm he would tell you the truth. Uh, most people would think that he was not um, mentally um, um, equipped to do what uh, everyday, quote unquote, normal people would do. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No, but I'm going to call you when it's over. <laughs> okay. Oh, look, this may be a key. This may be a key. When he didn't want to hear what you had to say, he turned his ear his uh um, headphones on. What do you call it? Uh, he aid? would turn his, his hearing aids off. Does that help you? Uh, almost, <laughs> almost, almost, almost. Okay, he called over. Okay, I, I love. Uh, but when I think about people who deal with the type of of mental challenges that he was born with, mm-hmm. uh, when I think about that. Uh, I think about how he loved to worship. He, I, I don't think anybody could beat him worship. Mm. And um, how he was underestimated uh, in some areas, in some arenas, because they figured, well, you know, he's not paying attention. But he's always <laughs> so uh, I bring that to the forefront. Uh, I'm going to bring another one to the forefront. We have um, young people and older people 
who deal with things like ADHD, ADD, you know, mm-hmm. which we would not necessarily uh, identify right away. Um, but attention spans uh, are front and center. I'm not sure we we know how to to deal with that, especially if we have services that last two and a half <laughs> I don't think that's got nothing to do with ADHD and, and any of those other attention deficit disorders well, I mean, that's got to deal with you talking too much I'm, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me and I'm I'm already vegged out come on seriously you just, you just, yeah but you know if you have if you have I want to say kids but I know adults deal with it too you know and and they're gonna be they can't be still fifteen minutes, thirty minutes, you know. Um, the question is, do we have do we have uh, do we offer a service that is kid friendly? That is, uh, you know, you know that is that is uh, cognizant of things like that. Okay, let me move from that one. Um, People who are depressed, who you see in the prayer line every week, the same people in the prayer line every week. And we pray for the same thing every week. Uh, And we do that for months until some people, some some, uh, ministers, they actually begin to uh, wonder, uh, get a little frustrated. Uh, I've seen it. I've witnessed it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, they are admonished for coming every week, but we don't see the underlying uh, cause. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with it? Those are just uh, examples. Which is which is unfortunate because if someone is coming every week for the same thing, then one of the ministerial staff or the pastor ought to assign a visit to that individual to see what it is that they can do to help them get beyond where they are. Yeah. That's triage. Yeah. And so yeah. To, 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 you know, and, and, and I know you hear, oh, here she come again. I hear he come again. Yeah, take some time um, to, uh, to talk with them, even if it's at the altar, take the extra time. I, I'll give you an example there's a young lady that um, would always ask for the same prayer every week about the same thing. And then I just simply told them that I wasn't praying for that <laughs> anymore <laughs> the, because that's not the issue. And then I made arrangements to meet with them to talk about the issue. Or, um, issue. yeah, and, and people come and talk about, you know, well, I'm looking. For, I'm, I'm praying, you know, pray for me for, and I'm talking about repeated prayer requests. I need a job, and you pray to get a job, and then they come back the next week. I don't like this job, so I need another job. And I go, I'm not praying for you. I pray. For, we pray for that job. God bless you. You need to stay there a minute. Yeah. Did you go to the interview? <laughs> well, we pray for the job. I didn't get the job. Jesus didn't. What do you mean, Jesus? Did you go to the interview? <laughs> yeah. And they go, did you go to the <laughs> So, yeah. 
Yeah, and so we we as ministers and and we have to we have to decide that we're not gonna we're not just gonna you know be excited because we pray for you you fell out no don't fall out stand up here and talk to me about what's going on with you and I <laughs> told people I told them say do not fall out stand up and if they fall out I say pick them back up just send them right stand them right back up because we ain't finished <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I know. When I, we finish, you can. Yeah. <laughs> when we finish, then you yeah. can pass out. But get up. Yeah, you can you, be smiling. Yeah, you been, you premature yeah. you prematurely fainting. But okay, go ahead. I'm I've gotten off topic. But. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I just, I want to ask uh, you because I do know that you had some uh, experience in CPE. Mm-hmm. Uh, did it? Uh, did that give you any tools? that uh, help you uh, in your pastoral experience? Absolutely, uh, it did. Um, it, it, it taught me, I, I think the biggest thing, takeaway I got from CPE is to, it taught me how to listen and hear beyond what was being said. You, you made a comment. I didn't hear it. I said, let's identify what those acronyms are for and what that program is about. Uh, CPE is clinical, clinical pastoral education. It is a program that helps uh, train chaplains to um, be uh, chaplains <laughs> or help chaplain. people who want to be chaplains <laughs> to be to be chaplains. It's a series of units that they go through that not only is it academic meaning homework study, but it's also very practical where you spend one uh, one unit is uh, 40 hours a week and you spend either a half or a little more than half that time actually being in the presence of individuals as a chaplain. And uh, depending on what organization you want to be certified by as a chaplain, they require so many hours of uh, clinical pastoral education. Um, do you think that it is uh, um, a tool that pastors could use? It is providing, the only thing about if they could condense it in some form or fashion, but that, uh, that 10 weeks, 40 hours a week is a bit much to ask a pastor to add on to probably an already busy plate. Well, I don't mean as far as the length or I, I just mean some of the tools. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It would be, um, it would be very helpful uh, for them to, 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 to learn how to active, actively listen and to, um, and to uh, be able to, to dialogue with not only the individual, but one thing that was beneficial was in CPE where you shared with other like-minded people what were going on uh, in your unit mm-hmm. that you would, and that and that could be done with a group of ministers that understand what uh, what uh, CPE is about. It, it would be it's helpful, however, I don't know how they would condense it and, and which piece to pull well, out, which piece to pull out right. that would help pastors. I am, um, you know, I, I did the residency 
mm-hmm. I did the uh, the units first, mm-hmm. um, and then I went back to do the residency, which is a year long program. Um, and it was the hardest year of my life, mm. but the best year mm-hmm. as well as it pertains to being equipped to be in ministry. Um, because one of the things that it, it does when you do it um, in that uh, on, on that platform and in that program is it causes you before you start to address what's uh, happening with others, it causes you to go back and uh, and deal with your life. Oh yeah, that part that that part I didn't like, so I I forgot about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that was a supervision piece, right? And uh, even oh. though my colleagues also challenged me in that area, but they were all wrong. Yeah. Oh, so you guys didn't have a supervisor. We did. We did. We have a supervisor where we had to spend an hour with her each week. Oh, you guys have of- a piece of. Oh, that wasn't fair. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember, we were yeah. just doing 10 weeks, so we didn't have a whole lot of, <laughs> a whole lot of time. It, was, it wasn't a year program. It was only yeah. it set up for it, 10 it was, weeks. Yeah, no, it was a year's program. And you had to go back to your first memory and come forward. And yeah, yeah that was a challenge. I uh, but, I, you know, I just wanted, I wanted to put that in because it's designed uh in my understanding, it's designed to help you deal with your own uh, things, closet, uh, so that you don't bleed over the people that you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Ministering to. And true. I think that um, it, it really brought me a long way because I had no choice but to face a lot of things that I just didn't want to deal with. Right, you know? right. Um, and so I'm, I'm very appreciative of having gone through that year. Uh, it equipped me for a lot of the things I had to do afterwards and during the year, because in that year's time, uh, there were two school shootings, the Santee school shooting mm-hmm. and the Granite Hills. And we worked both of those school shootings. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, but you know, you, you know, I deal in the community and urban ministries. And so it was good for me. Now, that being said, and I'm going to wind this down, uh, most of our, in our churches, would you agree or do you think um, that the majority of our ministers come from the pew to the pulpit? Well, where else are they going to come from? They're going to fall out of heaven? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, some, some churches... Um, um, have ministers come in that are already in ministry. You know, some churches um, are assigned ministers. Well, I've, I've known of churches that would bring ministers in outside for a senior pastor, that kind of thing. But most ministers are ingrown um, from the few churches that I know about. They you they do come from the from the from the um, from the pew into the pulpit, and supposedly under the auspice of being trained, 
under the current leadership, which may or may not be good. Um, yeah, yeah, because um, the current leadership was trained under the previous leadership, mm-hmm. who, you know, uh, trained is a relative term. Yeah. You know, and the reason I, the only reason I bring that up is because in some denominations, especially the Methodist denomination, UMC and AME, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure about the AME Zion, but in some denominations, you have to go and formally be trained. You cannot just come from the pulpit to the pew. Right, right. They have years of, and you know, there's progressions in some denominations, mm-hmm. but um, in many there there are not, especially in our community. You you will yeah. the pastor call, you know, you get a, um, I remember the church I was in, um, once I was licensed, I was the first female minister to be licensed in that church and the first mm-hmm. one that had been license and many, 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 well, first person, not female. I was the only female, but that church did not produce ministers in that sense like that. But after me, there came a slew of not only females, but male uh, people coming into the ministry. Uh, and, and, uh, And so none of the training I got from the lead pastor was at this point, because I am now doing training, was quite insufficient. Uh, it, I, he should have got an F for training. <laughs> what, was the, what was the denomination? At that time, we were non-denominational. We used to be Baptist. Okay. We had used to. We used okay. to had to been Baptist. Okay, that's what we used to had to been. But at that time, at that point, it, it definitely had a Baptist flavor. Absolutely. You could yeah. you could taste yeah. the Kool-Aid. It was still Baptist. Uh, but um, it was non-denominational. They had we had taken on that that connotation as non-denominational. But it because we were associated with the Southern Baptists, the moment that they were going to administer, I mean, license a female, the oh, yeah. uh, association with the Southern Baptists had to be dissolved and therefore yeah. we yeah. were yeah. we were we were non-denominational at that point but yeah, yeah most definitely um i can't think of any church that i'm not once again i'm very limited in scope as to how ministers come but from what i know of the churches i've been around and dealt with people from it's been from the from the from the uh, pew to the pulpit absolutely yeah and and the reason i brought that um uh, I, I made a note of that uh, is because um, if we have people in the pews that are dealing with um, such things as depression, anxiety, uh, we haven't even talked about, but it's in the, you know, in the arena, those who may be bipolar or, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people who, who have those illnesses, they go from the from the pew into the pulpit, they take those things with them. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and I am, I, I'm only bringing that to light because I think so many of our um, pastors and clergy people, uh, one that really comes to mind for me, that just my heart just grieves about him is Zachary Timms. And you may or may not know who that is, but uh, I'm, 
a very powerful, he and his wife, very powerful uh, preaching couple whose church grew in leaps and bounds. Um, and he had, there were signs of trouble, but his, his uh, colleagues, his brothers, uh, maybe even some of his quote unquote fathers didn't see it or turn their heads or whatever. Mm -hmm. But as a result of that, he was found dead in a hotel mm. in New York with cocaine. Mm. Uh, you know, and so I understand that pastors need care too. Mm -hmm. We don't become uh, preachers and pastors and everything goes away overnight. You know, we're uh, you know, there's a sprinkling over us and ding, you know, you're fine, you're perfect, now go take care of the people. That doesn't happen like that. Um, just as when she to said to Peter, you know, I've been praying over you. Because the enemy, the enemy wants to dis to sift you like wheat. Yeah. I have prayed for you. So that now when you are delivered, freed up, healed more, go back and get your brother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we have to go all the way from the pulpit to the porch, you know, to those who, to the pew, to the porch, to those who are coming. And so I just wanted to, to make sure we, we look at that. Uh, there's uh, another area, which I'll talk about at another time. And that's the grief and dying because mm. uh, not dying but you know a lot of times when people hit crises uh the first thing they do is they they call their pastor or they tell whoever whether it's at the jail or the hospital or whatever call my pastor mm -hmm. call my pastor mm -hmm. and so it would behoove us to do everything we can i don't think we can get comfortable where we are mm -mm. No. if we are not equipped to meet those needs uh Indeed, and what, what what my prayer would be and is would be that leadership would realize where they are challenged and then move to turn that challenge into a strength. Yes. Yeah. First, acknowledge that it's a challenge. Yeah, for you, absolutely. It's a challenge. Like you know, I don't like people. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> So ministries are challenge every day, um, but I, I learned I learned years ago that you know my 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 gift even before I was called into ministry was my gift was not teenagers to to work with teenagers, <laughs> and you know I'm thinking well I was a teenager and I'm, that might have been one of the reasons why, but um, I was given a, the youth ministry for because the leader left and I told the pastor, I can only do this a year. I give you a year to find somebody. And we had a ball. We had an absolute ball because I knew it was only going to be there a year. But mm -hmm. I knew that was a challenge for me because I wanted them to think like, a, I deal better with people who think like adults. Mm -hmm. And when they don't act like adults, then I can, to, can dove in. But these big old people look like adults. They try to act like adults, but they weren't adults. And so my my challenge was 
yeah, I can't be with you all because I'm about to hit you. I'm about to hit you in your chest like I would do my I own. I'd be I'd catch a case messing with y'all. <laughs> Cause when I say move, I want you to move. Uh, but anyway, uh, my my challenge, my challenge. But I, I recognized that and I owned it, is what I'm saying. And I didn't mm-hmm. let anybody push me into doing something I knew was not my giftedness. It wasn't, you know, and so, uh, yeah, and and that for us in leadership, especially in the the pulpit and and pastoral leadership and clergy, we have got to set healthy boundaries, got to set healthy boundaries and then get help for ourselves. We know what's wrong with us. We really do. And we don't have to let the world know what what's wrong with us. We just need to get some help. True. So that we can, can just, just deal with we it. can get because the Lord is going to reveal, you know, you're not right in this area. Okay, why do I feel not feel right in this area? Go talk to somebody if you are blindsided by your own challenge and get and seek some mm-hmm. seek some advice. Seek some mm-hmm. help. And and not somebody who's gonna stroke your ego either. Go to that person that you right. don't you know don't like you and tell them to tell you the truth. <laughs> Or, 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 I agree, or, and or, go to the person who rubs you the wrong way because they will tell you the truth. Absolutely. My, one of my mantras is, friends don't let friends drive drunk. Why do we? So, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the you truth? You know, especially if we say we love each other, mm-hmm. especially if we say we belong to God, you know, am I going to, I'm going to be a little graphic for a minute, for a second. I'm going to let you walk out in your nice crease white um, pants and there's something on the back of it. Yes. No, no. I'm going to cover you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, people may think it's a little strange, but my arm is around you and I'm covering you till we get to the ladies. Room. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. The name of this podcast. The truth, the whole truth. And nothing but absolutely. And I don't care whether you can handle it or not. I'm gonna tell you anyway. Absolutely. (laughs) And I expect you to do that for me. Do it in love. Right. You know. Right. right. Yeah. Do it in love. But tell me the truth. Don't tell me what I want to hear. If I want a bunch of co-signers, I'll go over to Facebook. (laughs) And people can push like and love and whatever else they want to. Absolutely. But if you are my friend, mm-hmm. I need you to tell me tell you the truth in love. Absolutely. So absolutely. I appreciate you so much. Thank uh, you. you know, we go back away. Um, this is my my dear sister friend and colleague. Uh, and I know that I'm gonna get a, a song every birthday <laughs> from her. I have this funny. If she calls me in between, I'm like, is it that time? Is it that time? <laughs> we do talk uh, other than birthday. Yeah, but I appreciate, I appreciate you. I appreciate your sharing. Um, and um, I'm going to ask you if you will, if you'll leave a word, if you have one word to leave for those who are in leadership as uh, pastors and preachers, uh, evangelists, anybody who who handles the souls of people, if you'll leave a word with them and then if you will I'll take us out. Okay. 
the word I would leave with, or maybe a couple of words would be, stop by the mirror and take a good look. Mm. Take a good look. And let the Lord reveal to you what they see, what he sees in you. And be open to deal with whatever you see. And deal with it quickly. Good word. Because people are waiting. Yes, absolutely. Father, we praise and we thank you for this special opportunity to share uh, with my sister in regards to the Black church, mental health, and all of the topics that we've covered. But this conversation truly was a divine assignment, a divine appointment led by divine conversation. So those who hear, we ask that it would speak to their innermost being. Lord, let it not just be cognitive, but let it reach down in the depths of their souls so that they can become a better them for you. We love and we appreciate how you work in each and every one of us by design. No cookie cut pattern. Everything about you is specific and personal. So help us to allow you, Holy Spirit, to continue to be specific and personal in our lives as leaders, as followers, but most of all, as children of the Most High God. So we bless this ministry. And we ask that you would continue to strengthen Reverend Dalbury as she has guests at her table, that all would go well and that it would truly be beneficial to, the, beneficial to those who hear it. So we thank you and we praise you because you loved us first. In Jesus' name, yes. amen. Yes. Amen. 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 Well, there you have it. The church, the black church, and mental health. From the pulpit to the porch. With Reverend Theola Campbell of Poway, California. And yours truly, LaSandra Melton Dalbury. That's our take. What's yours? Thank you.